0: masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime but perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Good morning or afternoon, visionaries. Quick up top before I introduce this week's episode, I want to know if you are a busy business owner struggling to keep up with content creation. Because if so, I want to share a way that you can actually generate more content and more leads. In less time. So I've been using this revolutionary new tool and basically it's helped me to leverage my time and create four times the amount of lead generating content. That means I can write my emails faster. I can create social media posts faster. I'm actually using it for my clients to write their website copy, their landing page copy. So it's a super cool tool. Um, I'm not a paid partner or anything, but I just want to teach you how I'm leveraging this artificial intelligence copywriter for make, basically improving the way that I create content and show up in my business. So if you want to join me, it's a free training. I love doing these type of things. I do a free marketing training almost every single month. Then go to visionarymarketingcourse.com slash free visionarymarketingcourse.com slash free. So you can steal my content strategies, apply them to your business. And this is happening live on Monday, October 4th at 7pm Eastern time. So again, visionarymarketingcourse.com slash free. So go sign up, save your seat, and I will see you there. All right, on to this week's episode with Fatima Kamenje. She is a serial entrepreneur, a social enterprise advocate, and the founder of Social Awesome Consulting. Fatima believes that our values shape all that we do, and through her work, she helps businesses to consider the people, the planet, and profit in reaching for their next level of growth. In addition to her social social enterprise consulting, Fatima is also a passionate advocate for self-care in business. Love it, as well as socially responsible investing, something that I have been wanting to learn so much more about. I was completely captivated by Fatima's calm and confident approach to building and growing her business in a way that challenges the status quo and honors her unique perspective and experiences. I wanted to talk to her for like five more hours because I'm only just starting to understand what it means to be a social enterprise, how to invest your money in a socially responsible way and how to practice self-care as a business owner. But wow, she shared some really incredible wisdom that we can all use as a launching pad to learn more. So be sure to tune into to the entire episode. And if you're vibing with this conversation, definitely take a screenshot and please share it on your Instagram stories. You can tag me at Kelsey Riedel. So in this episode, like I said, we talk about what it means to be a social enterprise, how an intro uh, to socially responsible investments works. She talks about how to do self-inquiry each week to address what's holding you back so you can move through and move forward. She talks about moving away from productivity hacks and a scarcity mindset into abundance. We also talk about making sure that who you are is showcased in your business, and I love that topic so much. So enjoy this episode with Fatima, and please leave us a rating or review on iTunes if this episode offers wisdom to you. I just saw that one of my friends, Blake Fly, left a review on the podcast app or the iTunes app back in July and I just read through it and it really does mean a lot so Blake if you are listening thank you so much it means the world that you would have taken the time to leave a review so if you're a listener of the visionary life podcast and you want to see more episodes please take a moment stop this episode go review it hit that five stars or whatever stars you want to give us (laughs) Um, and we really 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 appreciate it okay so on to this week's episode and I will see you guys soon All right, so we are kicking off our Visionary Life podcast episode this week featuring Fatima Kamenge. Did I get that right?
1: You were the closest anybody's ever been.
0: I'm trying my best, but regardless, I am so excited to have you here. You and I actually connected at a virtual co-working event a couple of months ago, and I think I put out a call to action saying I'm looking for podcast guests or people who want to chat about marketing, and we got on a 15-minute call, and that simply was not enough to crack open your journey and for me to ask all of the questions that I have for you. So I'm so thrilled to be able to sit down with you today and to really dissect the journey, how you got to where you are today, all things social investing, um, and really anything else that comes up. So thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Kelsey. How are you?
0: I'm doing really good you know we were just chatting in the pre-chat that it's Friday as we record this so I think both of us are looking (laughs) forward to probably shutting down our laptops after this conversation and going to embrace life outside of these four walls of our office is that how you feel?
1: I very much look forward I feel like my computer needs a little bit of tender loving care when I open it after this because I feel like I've I I I reject it with mm-hmm. my whole might, my whole body, and throw it away from me <laughs> every Yeah, Friday and
0: you know what? That's hours. such a good point. It Like, it needs that love and care of being shut down for at least 24 hours so that it can recharge and it can rejuvenate and do its updates. And I think that that's yeah. kind of exactly what we need to do as entrepreneurs, too.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it took, I uh, like, we were talking a little bit about you know, the, the realities of working, um, of, work, of being the boss, of being the one who's um, who has to make sure everything gets done. Yeah. And knowing to tell yourself as the boss to go home is really, really hard to do. <laughs> it is. I don't know and... about you, but like learning that yeah. as an entrepreneur is a hard one.
0: I remember someone once asked me, like, do you have a nice boss? And my immediate response was, oh, I don't have a boss. I work for myself. And they were like, do you have a nice boss? Wink, wink. And I, like, obviously it then clicked in. Oh, yeah, I am my own boss. And then I was like, actually sometimes I'm really not nice to myself like I make myself work 10 hour days when I probably didn't need to or you know I I say yes to things that maybe are not within my scope of practice and that really rang true to me it was like maybe I could be a little bit nicer to myself so that I show up with a better energy towards my business.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely um and I really like that, that, that lens. It is one where I do morning pages. I think a lot of people have those things. And um, one of the questions whenever I'm like, I don't know what to write, uh, one of the questions that I ask is, how have you been nice to you lately? Mm-hmm. Um, and that always engenders quite a long entry around all the ways that I haven't been nice to me lately mm. but especially as a boss like yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work under me two years ago currently yeah absolutely <laughs> sign me up two years ago I would not have wanted to be my own boss and you know to that effect I did quit my own self two years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called burnout and that's when you quit your own job uh, when your own your own boss, and yeah, two years ago I had some burnout, and that was the equivalent of quitting your own job when you're own boss.
0: Just because I'm sure the listeners are curious, what are mm-hmm. some of the major changes that you've made in the last two years to be a nicer boss? Or you know, what are some of the things that you eliminated that you used to do that you no longer stand for inside of your business anymore?
1: I think it's more of like, what did I embrace? Actually, it was a forward motion um, because that was the thing. I was working on the paradigm of eliminating all sorts of things, making more efficient things more efficient to doing all sorts of things that were about, were more of a scarcity-minded mind, place where it's like, okay, I only have this amount of time, so I will make sure I maximize this amount of time and that amount of time. And I did a lot of productivity hacks. Okay, what are my, and did all sorts of tests to figure out what am I most optimal? What can I do? And I did all those tests to make myself work almost like a, a machine. The thing is, I'm not a machine. Some people might be able to work like that. I wasn't made for that kind of life, so I burnt out. What, when I started embracing more things, I, it took me to a different direction. I started, and this is actually really a nice segue into the work that I do, I was doing impact work. I was talking to people about aligning their values with their businesses. I was talking about living, living the world that you believe in, in your purchases, in your interactions, in the friends that you make, in the life that you build for yourself, in everything that you do, in the food that you eat. And I wasn't doing that in my business. Mm-hmm. I might have been the person who was in the rouge doing all sorts of environmental things and like volunteering here and there, but I wasn't embracing sustainability within my own life, within Mm. my own business. I wasn't embracing resiliency, longevity, integrity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing the things for my own business and for myself because I am the business. I run the business. Mm -hmm. I wasn't making sure that I was healthy. In the right kind of way, yeah. Um, I wasn't making sure that I was actually doing things for a reason. I was doing things for metrics, but not for impact. Yeah. And this is one of the other things that I really love talking to people about and to clients is the difference in defining success and impact. Yeah. Success is, you know, it's metrics. It's a you mm-hmm. take one thing, you take another, you take another. Impact is how does it affect you? How does it affect the people around you? How does it affect the people that you serve? Yeah. I wasn't spending time with family, not the quality time. Yeah. I wasn't spending time with myself. I had no clue who I was anymore. Yeah. I wasn't actually spending the time to look at how I was showing up in the world.
0: Mm-hmm
1: because it doesn't matter how much money I put this to this place or how much of my work goes out there. As long as me, myself, as a being, as a human being, I am not showing up in the best way possible espousing and representing the values and the things that I care about. Mm -hmm. It's some ticks. It doesn't have any lasting impact. So when I embrace the impact, I then said, "Okay, I need to go spend Sundays with my family, non-negotiable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I need a date night once a week with just me, yep, non-negotiable. I need time with my friends, non-negotiable. I need time to sit in a corner somewhere reading a book, <laughs> non-negotiable. Um, I need to volunteer." in specific kind of places where I am not Fatima gay of Social Awesome or whatever company, but I am there as an anonymous person. Mm-hmm. That was important for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I need to do work that I don't need to tell anybody about. That was important for me. So like, you know, It was this journey of self-love, really. Yeah. And in that self-love, I was able to really love my business. And when you love something or someone, there's nothing you wouldn't do for them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Do you feel like you had to kind of unwind your personal life or yourself from the business? And maybe before when, you know, like... You were so enmeshed in it, you were just too tangled up. Like, do you think that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, to have that balance, quote unquote, that we have to have that separation where we can, you know, go do things without worrying about the business or be an individual without thinking about how does this impact my work? Or is it okay to be this, you know, lifestyle business where literally, everything you do is promotion everything is marketing you're constantly kind of on the clock because your business is you as the consultant what are your thoughts on that can it all be enmeshed together or is it better to have that separation between who i am and who my business identity is
1: do what works for you <laughs> is I what that. i would say yeah do what works for you Oprah is Oprah it doesn't matter where Oprah is <laughs> Oprah is Oprah right. how can you separate Oprah from Oprah the personality and I know I went extreme on that one yeah, yeah. but sometimes who you are is the business mm-hmm. um, now and then other times you know what if what you do is taxes and you're consulting on people in taxes you are definitely not a taxing. And you're not you're not taxes. You yeah. are a person who solves people's problems with taxes. Yes. Um, so some things are easier to unmesh than yeah. other things. It's in the little details. Mm-hmm. For me, and this is something that is an area of growth uh, for me, um, it's more about detachment mm-hmm. and labels. Slash identity. So I pay a lot of attention to the I am statements. To whenever I say I am this, I am that. Mm -hmm. I'm putting a label on that. Yep. I am in that moment going with the usually accepted on definition of what I'm saying. So if I say, I am a woman, what does that mean? How is a woman seen in the world? How is a woman showing up in the world? Mm -hmm. What is expected of a woman in this particular context right now? If I add to that, I am a black woman. That's a whole other thing that is added on Mm that. I am an immigrant is another label. I'm a queer woman is another label. I am a plus size woman is another label. There's Mm -hmm. so many labels I can put on myself that other people might also agree on. And I'm an entrepreneur is another one. Whenever you use, whenever I use the I am statements, I pay attention to what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. And I sit down a lot. I think we were talking about the fact that my Friday afternoons are usually spent taking my brain to the what I call for a tune-up, which is my self-reflection time. Yeah. I look at the definitions of all the labels that I maybe have used that day or that I have used in the past week to figure out what they actually mean for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why to your question, is there a way to do it? It depends on your definitions. Yeah. The other side is attachment. Every single one of those labels is something that we're attached to. A story that we've told ourselves. Oh, yeah. And we are incredibly attached to those stories. Doesn't mean that they're not valid. We make them true. Mm-hmm. And we use them as ways of being comfortable and of being safe. Mm-hmm. In some way, that can be really wonderful because it roots you in who you are and where you are and gives you power and strength. And other times it shackles you and limits you in terms of what you can do. Yeah. Because there are many people who have been who have stopped themselves from doing something because they We're very much attached to the label of I'm a woman. Mm. And a woman doesn't. A woman doesn't. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, your job is to redefine the world. Redefine everything. Add a new paradigm to things. And bring solutions to what is not working. And in order to solve what is not working, you have to be able to be aware of what is not working, which means you have to have a perspective that is not necessarily one that is within the box, Mm -hmm. which is why I love entrepreneurs.
0: I love that. And you're right. I I do think in order to actualize our full potential, we need to drop the labels that really do keep us in a box so that we can kind of bust out of that box and become limitless and not have these, you know, things that we wear and that we carry so heavily that really do define who we are, the decisions we make, the way we interact with the world. And um, I'm curious, do you have a formal process for say like deprogramming a label that maybe you've given yourself that you know is not serving you like when you're doing your tune-ups if you encounter Mm -hmm. a label that you're like this isn't me or this isn't serving my next level of growth or Mm -hmm. who i want to become how do you then drop the label because i'm sure everybody listening has defined themselves as something that maybe they're almost ready to release but they don't know
1: how um i'm a i'm a i'm a lover of processes um (laughs) it's it's all we can talk process all day with me um there is one that i'm borrowing from my from a friend um, his name is Ron, and I'm forgetting his last name. I will give it to you so that you put it in the show notes.
0: Yep.
1: Um, he has this method that I have tweaked and changed and added to my own. He calls it the live method. Mm-hmm. For me, I added an S at the end, and I'll explain what it is. So he starts with an L, and the L is for listen. And this, he does this, and he works his clients through this to address their imposter syndrome because that is what it is we're talking about the the things that limit us usually it's the imposter syndrome it's oh, yeah. the little voice that's pretty much telling you that you're not this and you're not that you're a woman so you can't do this you're you're a man so you can't do this you're from this part of the world so you can't do this either whatever it is it's saying it it's telling you. it's putting limits for you yeah and so he starts with an l and the l is for listen. Many people listen differently to themselves. I listen by writing, so by journaling. Um, Other ways I listen is by going for a walk in silence and just listening. Some people listen by meditating. I do one way or another. Sometimes I make videos where I talk to myself. Either way, I find a way to listen to that voice without judgment, without shame, without any kind of label to what it's saying. I just listen. I don't Mm. argue with the imposter syndrome voice. I just listen, give it the space to come out and aerate itself as long as it can. After it's done, because at some point it does stop, especially if you're just blank and letting, letting it come out, you do the I, which is the inquiry. There you go through everything, which is why it's important to somehow like capture that listening process. You go through and then you ask questions to it. Um, let's have you, let's go through it with you, actually. And then yes. it starts with L. Yeah, let's start, like bring one thing that, like a little voice that comes to you. What does it say?
0: A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchased by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy, because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. Would, this, would you want it to be like some sort of limiting belief that I'm guessing yeah. That my perspective in the world of marketing doesn't matter
1: Mm. keeps so let's listen like what does that mean
0: in a okay so this is something i'm grappling with right now in Mm -hmm. a world where i feel like everybody's looking for quick solutions uh, they are operating on these kind of new age forms of marketing of like get fancy software and dump all your money into online advertising and use my template for creating a hundred social media posts, I feel like I have this opposite perspective that's like, no, it's about relationship building. And it's not about, you know, making people buy things they don't need. And it's actually about being gentle around people rather than forceful. But I realize that's not a sexy approach to uh, to teaching people a marketing strategy because people want a quick fix, like a band-aid versus like, building true relationships and having a really good product. So I grapple with, well, I'd probably, you know, sell more of my courses if there was a better promise. But what I really want to teach is the principles behind what marketing actually is and how we can truly, you know, identify if somebody has a problem and then gently present a solution in a way that makes them feel safe, not pressured to buy but again it's not a sexy way because the last 10 years has been devoted to here's how to run a great facebook ad so i feel like my voice is maybe you know not nobody wants to hear it
1: Mm. so what you're saying is that nobody wants to hear your voice when it comes to that and what you're saying is that your message what you're presenting is not sexy yep um, it is not um, instantly gratifying. No. Nope. Um, so okay, so those that's what you said. That is what we did. We listened. Now let's inquire. And the questions for me from this particular moment would be, do you want to be sexy? No. Do you offer value to your clients? Mm -hmm.
0: I think there's more value in what I teach than in copying someone else's formula.
1: Do you want to continue offering value to your clients?
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: What actually do you want to do with your business? Is it more clients or is it more successful businesses? Like what is your aim of your business at the end of the day?
0: Mm hmm. I want to help bring thousands of small business owners back home to their inner marketer. I want to show them that they don't have to look external for their marketing strategy, but in set, instead like they can dig deep within them and who they want to be inside of their business promotion strategy and be more of that. So if I could share that on a bigger scale and help more people, that would be the ultimate goal.
1: All right. See, but you do want to scale. Yeah, so want... what I'm hearing is that it's not that you're you're pro- it's not that you're not sexy. It's not that you're like you just want more people to experience the value of what you have.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so that's the inquiry. Mm-hmm. Then we move into verbalize. 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 I also call it the vulnerability card. And that's when you go to someone else. Mm and you talk about your problem. It could be a friend, a trusted business friend. Um, and if it's personal, a trusted friend, uh, therapist for some of us. Um, and then you talk about it and you listen to them and you pu- you, you go to them asking for help mm-hmm. and a, a good to, for them to be a good ear And a good mouth and a good ear means they actually really listen to you and a good mouth is that they will tell you honestly and truthfully Mm -hmm. what they believe is going on yeah so as you're verbalizing it you're being vulnerable with it and your job is to also being a good mouth which means you clarity clearly tell them exactly what's going on Mm And from what I'm hearing, like, how would you tell someone what you what's going on right now? A trusted business friend.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, if I were just sitting down with a friend for coffee and I was kind of just like feeling fired up, I would just say, I feel like what I have is the best kept secret in marketing but I don't know how to position it in a way that people will understand that this is what they need, not another online course.
1: And the challenge of your friend is to get you to say that same sentence without comparing anybody else with to, to anybody else, without judging your programming or anybody else's programming by simply Telling what the value that you propose is. Mm. In a world where there's no one else, because the problem is not what else is available, that's not the problem that you're solving. You're not solving the fact that everybody is doing quick fix marketing. Your prob- the, 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 the solution that you bring to the table is that relationships are the key to good marketing. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you verbalize that? as a value offer without comparing or judging?
0: I guess what I would say is that we need to go back to the basics of marketing, like the time-honored approach, which is relationships. It used to only be about that. We would buy from people who were our neighbors or the local bread maker who had a sign out and we would meet them, we would try their product, and then we'd keep coming back for more if we liked it. And that is the essence of marketing is a trial um, and then establishing a relationship with the business owner. And then becoming a lifelong customer, and I think that a lot of it stems from there.
1: I like the second part; hated the first part. Do you know why I hated the first part? (laughs) Why? It's like we want to go back to something—not nostalgia. Talk about now. When the second part is when you started talking, what it is, business is—you try something, you love it, you go back, you create a relationship, you talk about it. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is the sale. That's the hope. That's when you sell with love. That's when you bring love into the business, Mm -hmm. into your value offering. It is not promising nostalgia because at that moment when you say, let's go back to something, Uh the person is like, oh, yeah, once upon a time, things were great. What you're promising them is a future.
0: That is such an interesting catch that I've never even thought of before.
1: So that's what your friends would, would, would reflect and mm-hmm. see on you. Yep. And then guess what the E is for?
0: Listen, inquiry, vulnerability. It's my favorite. Explain. Experiment.
1: Experiment. Oh, I love that word. Yeah. And there you try two, three, four ways of putting that messaging. Mm-hmm. And you experiment around it you try it on your clients you try it on your on your new people you try it on different ads you try it low cost just experimenting just playing with things Mm -hmm.
0: i feel like so many people though like were terrified to do that experimentation because we're almost primed to avoid failure these days. And it's like, well, if I'm not guaranteed to, you know, get met with positive feedback after Mm -hmm. I share this, then I don't want to do it. But I think we can learn way more from, you know, the three experiments where people go like, that does not sound good. That is not you. It didn't work at all. (laughs) Didn't work at all. Like, like you just challenged me, right? In a good way. Um, but I think we're kind of wired to not want to do that. Like I would be like,
1: ah, I'm it's good safer Let's not just... to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is why, cause that's my, my friend, my friend's, uh, program, the system ends at live. I added the S because yeah. I needed the S which is surrender and trust <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I needed to be like, ah, I actually need to experiment and go and just run away from things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the moment I get them done, I, I deliver that experiment and then I surrender. Yep. You surrender and actually really let go. Surrender the outcome. Understand that some of it will fail and some of it will be wildly successful. Mm-hmm. Some of it will just be blah. Um, and then you go back again, back to listening. You capture the data and then you go back through the process again and again and again. And this is really lovely for me to kind of just like do. Um, once a week, it takes about five, six, seven minutes, 10 minutes sometimes mm-hmm. um, to do the whole thing oh, as many times as you can. Um, and it makes you check in on your business, makes you check in on yourself. Mm-hmm makes you check in on your goals, your life, really, just checking in. Hmm. Um, So the surrender is a big part. And then you try again, something new. You listen to another thing. But the best part is that after you've gone through that process, that original sentence is no longer valid. It might come through, as a different kind of thing but at least you've you've addressed that one as opposed to ignoring it and letting it grow
0: Mm. yeah so cool is this something that you do with your clients that you work with uh inside of social awesome
1: yeah i do uh i do that especially with those social enterprises that i work with because Mm -hmm. a lot of them have they have really big missions and they feel called to do really amazing things and they often wonder if they are the ones to do it if their 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 message their 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 calling is appropriate and going through this really is helpful Mm -hmm. to a lot of us to kind of be like it's okay yes this is where you're supposed to be go for it and to have Especially the point of inquiry where you really, really question the validity of that question in itself Mm -hmm. helps quite tremendously. I
0: love that. Um, you mentioned social enterprise, so I'm curious, yes. can you define for our audience who is not certain what a social enterprise is, define for them what that is and maybe how that differs from, say, a charity or differs from a for-profit business? Why? What is a social enterprise and why do you only work with them?
1: All right, so my definition of social enterprise might not necessarily be everybody's definition of social enterprise. Um, This is my definition. Mm -hmm. It's every business that is a business, first and foremost, meaning it is an entity that provides value in exchange for value in the world. And that value can be, um, and and in my particular case, the value has to, one of the exchanges for value has to be money. So that's what a business is. It's you sell something of value and you are given money as an exchange, as a tool of exchange for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So a social enterprise for me, and which is what it differs from um, any businesses that doesn't do that, is that its intent, it is not just to have profitability. It is also absolutely dedicated to making sure that the impact or that the work that it does in the world, the way it serves its clients, the way it serves um, um, its community, the way it serves its employees, the way it serves its stakeholders. And by stakeholders, it's like every single person that it touches is in a way that is good for them and the world. So the intent is to make money and do good for the world Mm -hmm. and for me a social enterprise does not separate doing good and making money so that's for me what a social enterprise is
0: I think your definition is so wonderful and so (laughs) it's Kind of like ensuring, I think these are your words off of your website, that mm-hmm. your business operates as an ecosystem and that you're yes. not just dominating, in like, we just want to make profits at all costs, growth mm-hmm. at all costs, doesn't matter about the people, doesn't matter about the planet, doesn't matter about anything else, we just want money, money, money. Like, yeah. that is the opposite, I'm assuming, of a social enterprise. And so, with your clients, you're ensuring that there is kind of this holistic ecosystem that everything is being supported and held and upkept mm-hmm. to the highest degree of your values in your business.
1: Mm-hmm. That is exactly what, yeah, that is exactly what I like doing. That's a, that's a part that makes me happy about working with businesses that care.
0: Yeah, so knowing that a lot of our listeners, they are kind of just starting their business, mm-hmm. I'm assuming a lot of them, they actually have not really thought about their core values as a business. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of us, we know what our core values are kind of as a person, we've grown up, we've gone through hardships, we've, you know, recognized maybe what we stand for. But then Mm -hmm. when we start a business, maybe we become a personal trainer or somebody Mm -hmm. becomes a massage therapist. Mm -hmm. They don't actually think maybe about their core values as a business. So I'm curious, like. Why do you I'm, think, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. Like, that's the question.
0: I was going to say, why, like, why do you think it's important to establish those business core values uh, in creating a social enterprise?
1: Um, there's this one Iyanla Fanzant <laughs> quote that I, is it Iyanla or is it one of the amazing, uh, incredible teachers out there? And it says how you show up, how you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. And this is the thing. Let's say we're talking about uh, someone who runs a massage therapy business. If you're running a business you're providing a service yes if you don't sit down with yourself and your business and ask yourself how you want your client to feel not just what you want them to walk away with but how do you want them to feel especially we're talking about um um um, massage therapists or or trainers you want your clients you're working in the feelings space yes yeah um yes it's physical feeling but it's also incredibly about emotional feeling now if you don't sit down and or stand up or walk out or figure out how you can make sure that your client goes home feeling safe seen heard Supported, And you don't make sure that the experience that your client feels with you is not one that shows the best parts of you, which makes them feel like they're in a safe space to, to heal their bodies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then are you doing your work?
0: I don't think so. I don't think you're doing your work to the highest degree possible. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And that's not fair to your client, right? It is not
1: fair to your client. It's not fair to you, too, because if your work is to heal, if your work is to strengthen Mm -hmm. and you're not doing that, you're falling short of your own uh, demands and requirements and expectations. Yeah. So the way it goes from being just an enterprise to a social enterprise is then okay. So we're doing that. We're making sure that at least our clients, the people we serve, feel seen, heard, supported, uh, cared for. Mm-hmm. We're serving our clients to the best that we can. We're serving ourselves to the best that we can by following through to our own, um, our own. Um, calling our own purpose, our own higher purpose, our own why. Mm-hmm. The way it becomes a social enterprise is that you take it one notch higher. Are we using materials that will make sure that the earth is sustained? We're talking, we're in the health environment. Yeah. Are we not using toxins? How are we doing our work in a way that harms not only our, ourselves, our clients, our community, but our planet. So making sure that we are doing an extra mile to make sure that we are not harming, but if anything, we are adding to the growth and thriving of the ecosystem is what makes us a social enterprise. Yeah, And that translates differently from certain people to others. I've seen uh, organizations then create mentorship programs based out of their own uh, thing, um, re-gifting when it comes to materials so that things, whenever they need things to be reused, um, free sessions, trainings, yeah, all sorts of different things that are capable to just be able to say, how can I serve more myself and the world through my work, through this thing that I'm so wonderful at? hmm Yeah.
0: I love that because, um, you know, for a lot of the listeners who have businesses that they are the practitioner, they are the consultant. Oftentimes when you start, it's kind of about like me, 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 how can I have a better business? How can I make more money? Like what about my podcast and all this stuff? And I think that the more you kind of are in that mentality, the more you realize, oh, this isn't about me. Like it is in service to the world and Now I kind of look around and just say, oh my gosh, like we are all so gifted. How could we all extract that gift and share it regardless of, you know, whether you're paid for it or not, or whether people recognize it or not. And um, so
1: here is the thing. I am a big believer that getting paid is incredibly important. And this is the reason why I think getting paid is important. Getting paid uh, means you can take care of yourself yeah now. You can only give what you've got if you deplete yourself you've got nothing to give and this is the other part where it's about actually make it about you make it extra about you Mm. make it about so you that it's like you go deep and you look at what you have to offer to the world we all have things that we have to offer that are intangible
0: yes oh yes
1: How can you make sure that that part of you that is incredibly amazing, that inspires the world? Not the stuff that motivates, not the stuff, but that inspirational aspect of you that only shines through when you're doing your work. Mm -hmm. For some people it's by doing art, for some people it's by doing the most incredible massage, for some people it's by living, you talk about the lifestyle people, it's by living to their fullest life yeah. For some people, it's about giving a voice on a platform to other people, like what you're doing right now. For other people, it's about showing up in the best way that they can. We all have different ways in which we inspire the world. How do we make a world where we can actually make sure that that shows up as much as it can in the world? Mm-hmm. And going back to marketing and the conversation that we had previously, Like I had to talk myself, I had to live through, to to, to run through the whole, Fatima, you should do marketing because of your own business. And the answer came through with, I believe in what I have to offer. I know the world needs what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. Now, how, isn't it selfish if I stay mum about it and not share it with the world and give the people the option To work with me or not? Yes. But they should know about it. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you were saying—that you're the best kept secret. That's unfair to the world. More people need to go back to building relationships. Mm -hmm. See, I use that word to go back. More people need to build relationships. Yeah. More people need to know their clients. More people need to know who they serve. Yeah. Because if you know who you serve. Then you can actually address their issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can you can solve problems that are that are deeper, as opposed to putting band-aids on things. We can all move away from this scarcity space of putting fires out, and yeah. move into the place of actually planting trees and making sure that we we do some proper planning for future deforestation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can build an ecosystem. That works and that sustains itself. And it starts by d- diving deeper mm-hmm. and figuring out what we have to offer.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that that is kind of the life's work is like to really dive deeper and to cast that vision, right, of like where we're going. But then I think the ego kind of gets in the way. And the ego chatter is like, no, not you. Like, keep your vision small. Don't worry about making a big impact. Like, you're not cut out for it. But I think that maybe where the magic lies is when your vision actually grows bigger than your ego. Um, When finally you like see the light and you're like, I don't care what that chatter in my head is. I don't care who's judging me. The vision is so big now and it might not be super clear. But it's definitely there and you almost just like squash those comments that keep coming. But maybe when the vision is small, the ego
1: squashes it. Or it's more of you care so much, so deeply about the vision, about what really matters.
0: What really matters. That
1: every single thing that comes in your way might be really loud and incredibly annoying. But what really, really matters—it's so clear—that you can always go back to that North Star and know, you know what—that is what really matters. That is what really I'm right. working on, and I have to continue further because that thing that I really care about, that thing that I've um, that I've gone deeper and realized that is my true want and desire and true purpose—matters mm-hmm. so much more. Yep, than appearances, than all the attachments and all the labels that come with it, mm-hmm. because I know what really matters. I love that. So,
0: you know, kind of like I wish I would have addressed this maybe a little earlier, but you actually <laughs> do this work within Social Awesome. So, yes, can I you do. kind of explain to our listener? what who do you serve at social awesome and uh-huh. how do you work with people because you are literally like saying incredible things right now that like <laughs> are making me want five hours of your time
1: <laughs> i look forward um, to working with you Kelsey. seriously yeah you
0: just got a new client um so but could you give us a rundown of who you serve and and how you help when somebody says i need you know i need to make mm-hmm. my social enterprise better what do you do
1: so i help people in three ways the first way, and this is the spiel, uh, the first way is through my consultancy aspect of things. And there I come into established for-profit businesses that don't necessarily know exactly how to do an impact or don't have an impact strategy, but they're like, you know what, we care. We just don't know exactly what to do. I come in and I help them figuring out their impact strategy and how to deliver it. My approach on all three of the things that I do is bottom-up. We go with the clients, we go with the community, the people that they serve, and we ask them how they want to be served better. And we create financially resilient, sustainable solutions that actually are impact-focused for the for-profit businesses. For the small social enterprise, I come in because often they need more of the business aspect of things, and we work on business models, feasibility studies, and things that show them how to build a sustainable business that's profitable and sustainable as they grow mm-hmm. that's the second offering the third thing which is my newest venture, and i'm really excited about that is sri portfolio consulting so let me define sri <laughs> and let's talk about that one yes so sris are socially responsible investing now what it is it's simply having Investing that takes a good look at socioeconomic things, making sure that you're very good for the environment or whatever cause you care about is addressed in the investments that you have. Mm -hmm. So most of us have really nice financial advisors who will put our money into something and we'll close our eyes. Some money goes to it every month. And hopefully when we're 65 or 70, we'll open it up and it will magically have done something. That's the approach that a lot of people have. Some of us have a better approach sometimes. We, 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 we peek into it once in a while. We, we change things around once in a while. On the other hand, we are the people who recycle everything, who only use green everything, who whose soap is the greenest, who only use bamboo toothbrushes, and also have an incredible approach to the world. Shop local, we are activists, we're marching yet our portfolio is 60% oil and gas. That happens to a lot of us because we go to the bank and we put in a nice sort of mutual fund and, and that's what everybody does. That's what our parents did and that's what we did. What I do is I help people learn how to take control of all of that. I demystify investing, I explain how it all works I teach you how to take the reins of your own investments, and we then design your own socially responsible investment portfolio that is profitable, that is safe, that is balanced, that is self-directed, where Mm -hmm. you actually look at the things that you care about. Because Kelsey, what I care about and what you care about, very different. Yep. Like the causes that I'm really into, who knows? Me, like some people, I have a client who's really into lemurs and everything had to do with lemurs. And I was like, okay, like, let's look at something that let's make sure that everything that's lemur oriented, we're going to, and it's viable and it's a good company. We're going to invest in that. And then we're cool. so happy to be able to invest in something that has to do with the lemurs. Wow. It's very important um other clients would be something like oh you know what i really believe in shopping local and being local and everything local i'm like okay let's look at the opportunities that are available for you to support companies that are not against destroying the local economy so for you for them for example having amazon in their portfolio was an absolute no no they had amazon in their portfolio before so it's really important to know what you have and what your money is invested in. So the SRI consulting is, I walk you through, I get, I hope I usually get myself fired a year later and you would usually walk away with a way to manage your own portfolio in a way that's sustainable and that's aligned with your values.
0: Mm.
1: That's the third offering.
0: Incredible. And I love that you're bringing this up. Number one, because we've never talked about it on the podcast before. We've never brought up socially responsible investing. I think, you know, we hear entrepreneurs saying, oh, you should invest this much of your money and diversify your income. But I think for myself and potentially a lot of the listeners, we've never actually considered when we hand that money over to an investor or somebody who's going to deal with it, what happens from there? where is it going? Does it align with the core values of my business, of my personal life? Everything else, every other decision I make in a day generally is to support the world that I want to see in the future. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. I've always turned a blind eye to that. Maybe it's because I don't understand what's happening. Maybe it's because I don't want to deal with it. But when you say this, I realize that it's incongruent with every other belief that I have. So, you know, why isn't this being talked about more? Why, like, why am I kind of only hearing about this for the first time? Or, you know, where's the disconnect? And why aren't we all investing responsibly?
1: Um, it's not easy to talk about money. We don't talk about money. We mm-hmm. live in a culture where it's very much either gauche or taboo we we only talk about money, the people who talk about money have talked about money in such a way that has made money very unattractive to us. Yeah. It, it's uncomfortable, you're, you're talking about money, whether it's like, ah, I don't have enough or oof, I might have too much. What does that even mean? Um, so we don't talk about money and because we don't talk about money, we don't open the Pandora box of what it is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that is the first step. It's just like being able to talk about money with our friends, and that's why we don't hear about it. Yeah. Um, but socially responsible investing has been around for actually quite a long time, and most banks now offer some socially responsible portfolios. Okay. Um, that yep. are available, even robo advisors and mm-hmm. other. Um, investment um, outlets out there, such as, you know, I won't mention names, I don't know exactly how that works with the podcast thing, <laughs> but most whatever. of them will have, like Simple will give you a socially responsible portfolio. They would ask you questions, do you care about socially responsible uh, investing? Right. And they will design a portfolio for you that would have some of that risk. So really, you can do this in so many ways as little involvement as you can, where you click a few boxes on a robo advisor, or you go to your financial planner and you say, hey, I would like to have some of my money in the socially responsible, I would like my money to be in a socially responsible portfolio. And they'll be like, Mm -hmm. oh, sure. We're gonna look for some ESGs to put your money into. There are many options out there that you can do for low impact kind of things. If you don't wanna go in there, if you still don't wanna open that Pandora box, things there are ways to do that in a very minimally invasive way mm-hmm. um but yeah socially responsible investing has not always been accessible either for the normal person mm-hmm. it was the thing that the people who are incredibly wealthy yeah. had access to mm-hmm. because they would say you know what i will never need any money for anything else i can take the extra and use it as you know as good as as a good investment yep um that also has been a lot of the approach for most businesses most profitable businesses have a csr um have a csr mandate and that is corporate social responsibility yes and what they do is they take a shaving off of the profit and it's like that money is money that they don't care about losing and that's the money they give away yeah and that was the paradigm it was you make money in the serious business and then you give away, you know, for the good stuff. It's, 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 it's always seemed like money towards things that are good was money that you were giving away. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, no, I'm investing in what I believe in. I love that
0: mindset shift. (laughs) Like I feel like I'm going to need to rewind this and listen to it like 10 (laughs) times because You know, maybe it's just that I haven't immersed myself in this topic a lot, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm just I'm loving what you're sharing on this and, you know, feel like I would love to go on. But as we approach the hour, um, I do want to kind of make sure that anyone who is listening, who's feeling lit up like I am. How can we go about learning more about what you do at Social Awesome, connecting with you about socially responsible investing? What do you have coming up that you can share with us? Because we just kind of want to know all the things at this point.
1: (laughs) So I have a few things down the pipeline. So I think by the time this comes out, there should be at least two mini courses that I have going on. I'm obsessed about love and care. So yeah. I have a mini course on self-love and we can talk about that forever. Yeah. And then the other one is just a mini course on how to get started on SRIs. And it's a very, there's small offerings on how to get started on SRIs. I'm the only organization called Social Awesome in the world. Can you believe that? No. Um, <laughs> and I'm also the only person in the world called Fatima Kamege. That there is, is
0: so me. special. And like, I want to hand you an award for that because that's so cool. You Thank claimed you, mom your name. and dad.
1: <laughs> Thank you, mom and dad. Yeah. Um, so you can find me anything if you Google Fatima Kamenge or you Google Social Awesome. Go to my website. I love talking to people. Book a discovery call and let's talk about how we can partner and make things happen for you. Yeah. There you go. I love humans
0: so relationships right people should reach out to you establish that relationship in a 15 minute call and and see where it goes from there and i'm sure you can kind of prescribe that logical next step for anybody who does so
1: exactly and often it's it's always a great conversation um more often than not we're not the right fit and that's even better Yep. because it means that you have taken a step towards finding the right person for you and then when we're the right fit you get me in your life and that's kind of a bonus
0: yeah it's so true i mean some of the most um incredible humans who i've worked with in a paid capacity for one reason or another i found them because i first took the step and got the courage to reach out to somebody else and they said you know you're not the right fit for me but like have you talked to my friend or do you want me to refer you to someone and I love that type of ecosystem in business yeah. where it's not just about the get the client at all costs, but hey, let's chat, let's build a relationship. Mm-hmm. I can refer you or share someone else's name if I'm not the right fit, but if I am, I will present my solution and you know, I just wanna see more of that. It really warms my heart.
1: It's, it's the only way that business feels good. When you also know, and this is going back to what we were talking about, when you know that that there's enough to go around. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I think if I, if I wanna say something to your listeners is go forward. What can you embrace? Not what can you let go of? Cause there will always be many things that you should let go of. Yes, declutter, yes, Marie Kondo, your life. Mm-hmm. But what can you then embrace? What can you embrace that is so potent, so important, so care, so, so needing of your whole being that everything else must leave? Mm-hmm. So, what, good. C- what do you choose? Not what do you reject, but what do you choose? And that should be the driving force.
0: On that note, I want to say thank you so much for sharing the last hour, so much of. Um, just subject matters that we haven't talked about before. And I love your perspective and just your unique angles on growing a business and really your way of smashing kind of these archaic beliefs that maybe, you know, we've once held as entrepreneurs and as individuals. So thank you so much for doing the work that you do. And I cannot wait to continue learning from you. I know this is just the beginning. Um, So yeah, thanks again for your time. And we wish you all the best in your future endeavors.
1: Thank you so much for having me and making such a beautiful space for me to be able to talk about
0: me. You're so welcome. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.